Well, <clears throat> I don't know how many of you have ever been in a hospital. It's not a fun thing to do. But according to hospital regulations, or most of them, a wheelchair is required to those who are being discharged from the hospital. And there was a student nurse, and she was working at this particular hospital. And one afternoon, she went walking into a room, and she saw this elderly gentleman. And he was fully dressed, sitting on the bed. And there was a suitcase right next to him. And uh, he insisted, though, that he did not need any assistance or help to leave the hospital. The student nurse, of course, explained the hospital protocol. And finally, the elderly gentleman reluctantly allowed the student nurse to wheel him to the elevator. And as they were going down, the student nurse asked the elderly man if his wife was going to meet him. And the elderly gentleman said, I don't know. She's still upstairs in the bathroom changing her hospital gown. Some of you might get it, all right. Come on, it's not bad. <clears throat> My mother-in-law sent it to me, all right? So I'm going to tell her you guys gave her a weak laugh, all right. All right, this morning we're going to continue our series in the book of First John, and I've entitled the message, Getting Real, Part 2. Lord, uh, thank you so much for the worship that has transpired up to this point. And truly, Lord, our hearts are set free, our souls are set free when we just worship and praise you. And now, Lord, as we just turn to your word, I just ask that you would fill this place. You would fill me. And you would give us all soft hearts to receive and ears to hear. Lord, I just believe that the book of First John is just so life-changing, but yet it can be very convicting. So let's not put up walls of resistance this morning, but hearts to receive so that we can see those chains break off our lives. And now I look expectantly what you're going to do these next several minutes, and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. John, can you play the video? I'm not always easy to see. That doesn't mean I'm not always around. I'm around every corner. I'm at your home. I'll be at your work. I'm even at your church. But you don't have to look for me because I'll find you. I am sin. Gets your attention, doesn't it? You know, and if we're honest we have to admit that sin is a problem. Sin is a problem in all of our lives. Someone once said, sin will take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and it will keep you longer than you want to stay. Now, the reason why we all struggle with sin is because two weeks ago, we talked about what theologians call the principle of sin within us. Every single human being comes into this world with the principle of sin. That means we have a nature that causes us to be prideful and selfish and rebellious. Other than that, we're pretty good people. You know, sin, the reason why we do wrong things, is all due to pride. And what pride means is it's all about me. Remember that song? It's all about me. It's all about me. I am so wonderful, if only you could see, right? It's just all about me. Selfishness. I want what I want. I want what I want. Rebellion. 
Who are you to tell me anything? Let me just give you one small example. By the way, I call that the terrible trifecta. Let me just give you one example of of sin and the prevalence of sin. Uh, A couple of years ago, uh, Search Factory, it's a marketing firm, they decided to gather information on some of Google's strangest search requests. Here are some of the interesting results they found on relationship searches. Why did I get married? 40,500 monthly searches. How to mend a broken heart? 9,900 monthly searches. How to have an affair? 5,400 monthly searches. Now, I love this one. How to get away with murder? I think that's somehow connected to why did I get married? There were 1,500 searches. And my favorite, how to hide a dead body. That would be connected to, I think, to how to get away with murder. And there were over 1,000 searches. You see, the reason why we sin, the reason why Frank Ray thinks bad things, says wrong things, does wrong things, is because of the principle of sin that lies within me and that lies within you. And John talked about it in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. If you missed that message a couple of weeks ago, please just go to the Bethlehem Community Church website, hit media, and you can listen to the podcast. Now in Chapter 1 of 1 John, in verse 10, John writes these stunning words to us. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. What's going on here is this. There are false teachers running around. Even Can you imagine that? 2,000 years ago, there are false teachers running around. There's always been false teachers. There's false teachers running around today. You've got to be aware of those false teachers. You know what these false teachers were teaching? These false teachers were teaching that they had arrived. They were sinless. They were perfect. Now you say, how in the world can you come to a place in your life where you actually think that you are perfect? One word. Delusion. Delusional. Yes, there, there are delusional people. You see, these false teachers in John's day taught that the material world, including your body, is evil, and the immaterial world, that would be your soul and your spirit, are good. And since that is true, it doesn't really make a difference what your body does. So therefore, you know what? It has no effect on your body. So, you know, fornicate away. Be a glutton. Be a drunkard. You know, just sit on the couch. Just pop bonbons into your mouth and watch television all day because what you do with your body doesn't affect your soul, your spirit. John had one word for that. It's a deep theological word. Nuts. You're nuts. You're nuts if you believe that. You know, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 this. John, can you put it up? Now may the God of peace make you holy. See that word there? Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Paul is being crystal clear here. You are tripariot. I am tripariot. You know what that means? It means that you are made up of Spirit, which allows you to relate to God. 
The soul is who you are, intellect, emotion, and will. That's you, and your body allows you to relate to this world. They are connected together. They affect one another. So, for example, let's say I'm sick. Uh, We know that, okay, but let's talk about physically sick. So let's say that I have a really bad cold. What is going to happen to me? and, And I can't speak for you, but I'll tell you what happens to me. You know, when I get really sick, the first thing that begins to happen to my soul is I feel blue. You ever have that happen? You just feel kind of depressed? Well, you see, your body is affecting your soul. And the funny thing is then when my soul is blue and kind of depressed, you know what? It affects my spirit. I become spiritually apathetic. So you see, they affect one another. There is an interrelationship. You know what's intriguing, though? Is if my spirit, now watch this, it's too many of us allow our bodies, by the way, to control us. So it's body, soul, spirit, and, it's, and we have a negative life. But the Bible says what in Ephesians 5.18? It says be controlled by your body, doesn't it? No, it's interesting. It says, be controlled by the Spirit. Have the Spirit control you. So guess what happens when it's not how I think, it's not how I feel, but I say, Holy Spirit, control me. Kill my flesh, circumcise my heart, the darkness there, the selfishness, the pity party that I'm on, and take control of me. And you know what happens when the Holy Spirit begins to control your spirit? All of a sudden, it affects my soul, and my soul begins to have good emotions, love, joy, peace, patience. And say, I begin to, do you see, see, now I begin to to, to reverse the thing, and suddenly my soul is feeling good. And guess what happens to my body? See, even even affects your body, endorphins begin to go off, and you actually raise your immune system. Do you know that when you're depressed and blue and down, you actually depress? There are, there are a big reason why some people are always sick, quite honestly. Seriously. Depression will depress your immune system. And you, you'll, you'll experience a lot more physical sickness. You show me a person who is spirit-controlled, I'll show you a person who's experiencing in their inner being, in their soul, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentle, faithful, self-control. And it affects then their body in a positive way. Isn't that something? So, you know... If, 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 if what, what, what John is trying to tell us here is that I just, Frank Ray, cannot sin with my body and, and not think it's going to have an effect. I can't commit adultery. I can't be viewing pornography, okay, guys, and, and, and thinking that it's not going to have an effect on my soul and my spirit. I'm nuts. So if I commit adultery, guess what's going to happen to my soul? I'm going to feel guilty. I'm going to experience shame. I'm going to experience condemnation. And guess what's going to then happen? My spirit's going to feel, and I'm going to feel disconnected from God. Horrible, horrible place to be. Now, another problem we have, another thing we need to get real about is just sin itself and what constitutes sin. Too many of us have a shallow or superficial understanding of of what sin is. How many here are familiar with the golden rule? I was really surprised when I witnessed the people in, in the Jesus Soda survey how many do not know what the golden rule is. So just in case we're not sure, no embarrassment, Luke chapter 6, Jesus said this, do to others as you would like them to do to you. Now, you know what? This thing is revolutionary. 
2,000 years ago, you, you won't believe this because, see, before Jesus' day, it was always put in the negative. For example, Confucius said this, do not, do not to others what you would not wish done to yourself. In other words, if I don't want someone to do something to me, if I don't want something done to me, guess what? I shouldn't then do it to them. Now, it's not too hard, really, to carry that out because what's required when it's put it negatively is for me just not to harm anyone, just not to hurt anyone. So in other words, if I don't want to be robbed, then I shouldn't rob. See, it's pretty easy to carry out. But Jesus is dramatic. I mean, he changes the playing field by making it positive. So watch this. Good Samaritan. Most of us are familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan. Intriguing story. We have this Jewish man, and he's going to travel from Jerusalem to Jericho. We call that the Jericho Road. Now, that was a nasty, nasty stretch of land because there were all kinds of caves on either side, and you would have thieves and robbers hiding out, waiting to do nasty things to you. So generally, most people did not travel the Jericho Road alone. For some reason, this man did. Guess what happened to him? He got attacked. He was brutally beaten. They robbed him. They took everything from him, and they left him for dead. Now, what really makes this story interesting is that you have two men who see this guy And they each pass around him. And what really makes the story really interesting is they just weren't ordinary guys. One's a priest, and one's the equivalent of an associate priest. Now, if you take Confucius's understanding of what we're to do, did these guys sin? No, they didn't harm him. They didn't do anything to him. They just walked right around him. So therefore, they're good to go. Now, this is important for us to understand. But according to Jesus, he says, do to others what you would want done to you. These guys sinned big time. Big time. Now, 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 let me ask you this. Let's say you were lying on the side of the road. You're bloody. You're beaten. Would you like the golden rule of Confucius or Jesus? Hmm? You see, The problem most of us have is we have really a wrong view of sin. We sin a lot more than we think because we fail in the area of love. We do not do to others what we would want them to do to us. You know, oftentimes I uh, will talk to people about heaven. And I'll ask them, you know, God forbid, if you were to die tonight, And you found yourself standing before God, and he would ask you, should I let you into heaven? Do you think he would? (laughs) I love people. People are fun. Well, I've never thought about that. Well, I hate to tell you, statistically, one out of one people die. That's you. What's going to happen when you die? Do you think you'll go to heaven? Well, and they start bleaking. Well, I think so. I hope so. Well, 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 I guess so. You know, I haven't murdered anybody lately. 
You know, no, seriously, this is what you get. And see, see, this is the American mentality. Heaven is a place for people who don't do many things wrong. Now, if this, if this is true, just think about this. If you go to a cemetery, they're not doing anything wrong there, those people. Some of you haven't gotten it yet, but you think about that, all right? You see, people are mistaken about heaven. I want you to understand. People are really mistaken about heaven. You know what? Heaven is for people who have, through the power of the Holy Spirit and a new nature, learned to love. No, no. Heaven is for people who have learned through the new nature and the power of the Holy Spirit to love, to do to others what they would like done to them. Hell is full of people. I'm gonna, I want you to understand something. Hell is full of people who really haven't done bad things. I mean, there used to be hermits living everywhere. There's hermits living now. They don't do anything wrong. But they're not going to be in heaven because they haven't learned to love. They've never, never learned to love. Do you remember what Jesus said are the two greatest commandments? Matthew 22. Jesus replied to the scribe, you want to know out of 615 commands, you want to know. What really matters to God, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, but second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, heaven is reserved for people who love. Heaven is reserved for people who love. And the greatest sin is not to love as Jesus loved. Now that we're all sufficiently convicted, let's move to a high note here as we move to communion. John, can you put a 1 John chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2? Here's the high note. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, so see, we don't have to sin. We can really love. We have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who truly is righteous. He himself is a sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of the entire world. Isn't that amazing? John tells us, if you're born again, think about this. If you're born again, you have an advocate. Did you know that? You have the greatest advocate of all. You know, I was gone last week in... uh, It was in Gettysburg, part of it. It's a pretty sobering experience, actually. The president at that time was none other than Abraham Lincoln, and it was kind of intriguing because uh, Mr. Lincoln was actually in Gettysburg several months after the battle where over 50,000 men in three days, 50,000 men were either killed, wounded, or missing. And Lincoln had to give an explanation for why people were having their blood spilt. Amazing, and that's the Gettysburg Address. Two-minute speech. See, preachers preach on for 30 minutes. The, the, the guy before Lincoln, Edward Everett, spoke for two hours. Lincoln gets up. I'm not kidding. Lincoln gets up, follows this guy, and speaks for two minutes. Everett, after the speech, got up, shook Lincoln's hand, and said, what it took me two hours, you were able to do in two minutes and do it better. Well, Lincoln was quite a president. He had a son named Robert, and one of his friends entered the Union Army as a private. 
Robert sent his friend this letter or this note saying, write to me and I will intercede with my father and get you something better. A couple of years passed before Robert ever heard from his friend again. Then he got a note. And here was the note that Robert got from his friend two years later. I never took advantage of your offer, but you do not know what a comfort it was to me. Often after a weary march, I would throw myself on the ground and say, if it becomes beyond human endurance, I can write to Bob Lincoln and get relief. And I would rather have your intercession than that of the president's cabin because you are the president's son. Oh, I can't believe it. We, you know, I had someone ask me before the service, should we pray to saints? Should we pray to human beings? No, 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 no. You've got the greatest advocate at all. You have Jesus Christ, the son. Do you understand that? We're celebrating communion. It's all about that. You need nothing. You have the greatest advocate. I don't care where you are right now. I don't care what you're struggling with. You have the greatest advocate in Jesus Christ. Go to him. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to go to him. Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making him known.